Welcome to another episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Pat. And I'm Eddie. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, right here on Paranormal Dads. Welcome then to another brand new steaming hot fresh edition of Paranormal Dads. I don't, why is it steaming? I don't know why it's steaming. I, I don't we know. found it in the woods. <laughs> is it hot out of the oven or is it hot off the ground? I don't know. Out of the either, oven. Either way, it's 2023 and we're coming in roaring hot yeah. with some new episodes and some new excited vigor for our show. Yeah, all new year. Um, it's going to be fun. This do you guys is, have New Year's resolutions? Do you do those or not? Not so much. Uh, me, no. No. Not, so. <laughs> not Pat, so much. Pat's resolution is to make no more resolutions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I kind of been doing, like, I guess the best word I would say is, like, New Year overlays. Like, I want to, like, kind of like the old school, like, um, color forms or those, like, little things where you right. lay a little like, thing over it and trace it. Like, I want to be me. Like, I like me. I'm doing okay. But I want to kind of just add a little bit of a thing, like... You know, me, but 20 pounds less me. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or me, but maybe a little more forgiving to me. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Just polish know? the edges. Yeah. Just round some edges off, dude. I don't need to, like, resolve anything. Yeah. I just want to kind of just tweak a thing. Well, I, I think anytime tweak. you start a new year, you kind of go into the that mode where you're thinking, okay, how can I improve myself yeah. uh, this year? What can I change to make myself happier? To make the people around me happier, yeah, things like that, you know, which I, is a far. I cry think from... that's a pretty common thing. And then you hit February, and it just it goes. It away. just goes. Yeah, which is a far cry from me ten years ago when I look up into look up into the heavens and go, "Why doth I hate myself so much? <laughs> <laughs> what about me do I hate the most?" <laughs> no, this this bringing the best to your to the table, and then hoping like you can kind of you know bring your best to the people that you love, and bring our best show to you. So we're bringing it. We're bringing our A game, and uh, we're, we start as always with recent sightings. It's Ooh. me, y'all. Oh boy! Pew pew. So as far as we go, this is recent. <laughs> Actually, recent. Yeah, well, recent in the realm of us. Okay. okay. So the the most recent sighting of this creature. It was in 2017. Okay, we'll give I it mean, to you. We'll give it to you. Century, yeah. right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, I'll give. <laughs> if you're new to the show, sometimes we get a little loose with the definition of what constitutes a recent sighting. But in 1862, we saw. <laughs> <laughs> I recently read about it. Right. I right. mean, it's once you hit about 2000, 2008, 2009 for me, it's, it's just all a blur, anyways. Yes, I agree. And so it might as well be recent. It's about the same. What they say, it's like, we are now, the 60s were to the 80s, what, today, like, was to the 2000s. It's like the first early 2000s. Oh, my gosh, you're right. <laughs> I, I saw something today that Ralph Macchio, the actor, is now older than the original Pat Morita uh, was in the original Karate yeah, Kid. he's 60-something now. So, <laughs> so he's Macchio. older than the original M Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. So that's... And Mind-blowing. And just to make us feel really old, <laughs> I read a stat that said um, when Jurassic Park came out in movie theaters, that was closer to the moon landing than it is to present day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now wow. that we're all feeling old and ancient, what's <laughs> well, the recent sighting, Eddie? We're going to talk Happy about all pickle shoes. We're going to talk about something real fun. <laughs> uh, so what I decided to do this year was I'm going to dip into... The jar of Eddie. Talking about New Year's resolutions, I'm going to mix up the mush that makes me me and hopefully get better at time reading. <laughs> time management skills. <laughs> My time <laughs> management skills. 
It's not your specialty, but you make up for it with other qualities, buddy. <laughs> that's what my that's what my dating profile said online. <laughs> <laughs> so Jill knew full well what she was getting into. She sort of did. Yeah. Like the first couple of dates, I got there on time, and after that, it was all downhill. <laughs> Just to out you in front of all of our listeners, Eddie was uh, 42 minutes late to record today. That's like some Mick Jagger stuff. That's like, like, that's like rolling in like, oh, I'm here when I'm ready. You're not waiting for me. I'm waiting on God. <laughs> <laughs> but it shows how much we love you, dude, because if we didn't, we'd, we'd actually be mad, and we're not mad. I just, you know, you could take one of these delicious Coors Lights and put them in a sock and just hit me with it next time. That It won't happen again. I'm telling you that now. This <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Socks uh, to Hit Eddie with. You socks. thought I was going to say Coors Light. <laughs> socks. Hit Eddie with them. <laughs> so what I decided to do is I reached into my own personal history. I'm going to basically draw from creatures, stories, and myths from different locales that I have lived. So that's kind of what I'm going to nice. do. What's the point in traveling all over the place having no home <laughs> growing up if you can't tell stories from those places that you lived? So I, for a, for the first 10, uh, 10 uh, to 11 years of my life, grew up in upstate New York. So I looked up legends and myths and all these things in upstate New York, which, by the way, there's a plenty. So, yeah. Yeah. so we're not going to be hurting for any of those anytime soon. Uh, but one I wanted to go with was a more obscure one, and there was a most recent sighting of this in 2017. It's called the Kinderhook Blob. Okay, So in Kinderhook, upstate New York, small town upstate New York, the first report of this was from 1962 from a 10-year-old boy and his 7-year-old cousin, uh, Sherry. Um, da, 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 da. I'm reading a small, small article, article here uh, uh, from the Cryptid Wiki. There's a bunch of other articles about this. This was the best compendium of all the different articles I found. Uh-huh. Um, when I was 10 years old, 1962, I was up in the woods behind our house with my cousin Sherry, which, by the way, upstate New York, the woods are insane. Yeah. It's very much, I mean, it's, it shares a border with Canada and all this stuff. It's just one of the most heavily wooded areas. There's Bigfoot sightings in upstate New York all the time. That was one of the big ones too. Bigfoot, duh. And did you have like woods in your backyard when my you were backyard was the Adirondack yeah, Mountains? Yeah, <laughs> it was like the mountains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The great story of me, uh, it was like 1985. I was like seven or eight, and I decided to go 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 searching in the woods. And my parents were very much baby boomer parents back then, and they were like, basically, don't die and be home before the streetlights come on, right? Or when they come on. And so I'm like, cool. So I go in the woods, no cell phone, no compass by the way. No idea where I'm at. And I just trump out into the woods and I get turned around and I decide to kind of go a direction and I pop out on another side onto a town I don't recognize. (laughs) And so none of this will surprise anyone who knows me and I'm just like, huh. (laughs) I don't know where I'm at. Do you have a quarter in your shoe to use a payphone? I had a quarter in my pocket. I had a couple quarters. And so I walked over to a payphone by uh, a toy store. I think it was called Toys for Joy. I don't even Toys R Us. It was a knockoff. We were upstate New York, man. We had... (laughs) We had a hobo doing puppet shows in the, <laughs> and so I walked up to this uh, this store and used the payphone. Once again, it was like the '80s. Like people see some kid by himself, like ah, yeah. whatever, <laughs> whatever, yeah. And I called no my deal. mom, and I don't know directions, so I'm just like, I, I'm by these stores. This is where I'm at, <laughs> and she's like, you're like in the next town. Like <laughs> I, I popped out into like another small, like little suburby type town, like. <laughs> Probably five miles away from my house, like like, like out wow. of the way. So anyway, funny story there. But um, the woods, this kid with his cousin Sherry uh, looking for the, oh, they, they heard a high-pitched whistle noise in the woods. They would look for the source of the sound, and they described a white object peering at them from behind a tree. And all of these accounts, which are very far apart. So oh, from 1962 up to 2017, there's been a total of six, uh, six sightings of this thing. Um, so not a ton. But all of these sightings are the exact same thing. It is a, um, a, a white object peering at them from behind a tree. Um, they said they say peering, but they couldn't see any eyes. But that was the feeling they got because it was kind of like they would see this blob, this white kind of mass, you know, kind of you know poking out from behind a tree and then coming back to it. Um, according to uh, Hollenbach, he and his cousin were walking in the woods when they saw the creature. Um, for two years since then, another unnamed man was hiking through the woods when he saw a big white blob floating toward him. 
It terrified him so much he jumped over a pond measuring six feet across. Um, <laughs> he pointed ahead to a white shape. Oh, and then they went back out there with weapons. He went to a neighbor. They got guns, and they went out to go find the thing. They saw it, dropped their guns, and ran away. Uh, the most recent sighting was in 2017. Town locals Owen Farley and Anthony Milan... Mal- oh, here we go. I'm going to butcher this. Malinowski witnessed the blob on a late night walk. According to them, the temperature suddenly dropped around them. They heard a high-pitched screech, looked around, and saw a seven-foot-tall blob, air quotes, peering at them from the woods, and then floated toward them at high speeds, causing them to run away. Um, There are other sightings here. Let me do this one here, the Kinderhook blob. So this is a flying blob, not uh, one that just kind of crawls along the ground. No, so it basically levitates, and there's everything from people thinking it might be extraterrestrial, a dimensional shift, or a flat-out ghost. You know, from the description, I'm thinking of the shmoo. The you know what the shmoo is? No. You're not familiar with the shmoo? I've never heard of it's, it's, it's an old old cartoon, but he, oh. he's basically a white blob-looking thing. Yeah. Uh, had, uh, like black eyes and he's just kind of a cute little i think they used to have like schmoo um oh like stress dolls where you could squeeze them yes check check it out google it schmoo look look up (laughs) the schmoo the thing thing. (laughs) sounds like a pet name you'd call your significant other hey schmoo schmoo. it's like gesundheit um You're a schmoopy. The thing about this that i found interesting is that you have uh they list off three but they claim there's six reported stories of this and that of those stories that those many years apart they have a similar uh vibe to them every single time uh there's a behavior if you will to this blob and that uh the other eyewitnesses have reported that you can't necessarily see through it either it's it's not translucent it's white but it's not oh yeah i remember the schmoo that's the schmoo I'm not familiar with You're the schmoo. You're not familiar with the schmoo. Yeah, Pat just pulled up the schmoo on his phone. Yeah. That is an old cartoon. I don't Check him that. out, yeah. He's got, like, whiskers. Yeah, he's got whiskers. <laughs> kind of looks almost like a, 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 a sea lion, like almost, a but he's with white. Really fat bottom, <laughs> With no flippers. He's got hind legs, and that's it. There you go. So, yeah. um, Pat has a touch of ADD tonight. <laughs> looking up schmoo on his looking phone. Looking up the schmoo. <laughs> But you're not wrong. I mean, this thing, and so there have been, like, sketches of this thing, and it looks basically like just kind of your stereotypical kind of ghost, like a white sheet kind of draped over this thing. Uh, but the thing that I found interesting, like I said, was that, here you go, here's a great, the Kinderhook blob. It looks like a sheet, almost. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know? But the thing that got me, like I said, is you have these, these several sightings over a long time span, but these people aren't related. There's no, like, friends talking and hyping each other up. But these experiences kind of echo each other every single time. One of the things that got me, too, was the fact that each one of them said that they felt like this thing was kind of leering at them or, like, looking at them or kind of keeping an eye on them. Um, in my research for upstate New York stuff, way more stuff than this, too. I didn't want to just blow, my, blow up the thing I had right here tonight on that one thing, but the Kinderhook blob jumped out as one of the most weird ones that i've uh, heard it's a weird area really squatchy too you know i've listened to a lot of a lot of other podcasts that have um, you know upstate new york you got everything from ufo sightings bigfoot sightings dogman sightings one of the best dogman stories i've ever, ever heard took place in upstate new york yes so it's it's weird you ever run into any like moonshiners in the woods up there eddie no moonshiners in the woods i did have an almost epic like like uh it type encounter with a bunch of like these like bully kids that were like in the forest too and uh i thought we were gonna get like like beaten up real bad like one of them pulled a knife out and i'm like this is where i get cut. <laughs> it's like the outsiders it's like 80s bullies man they're like i'm gonna cut you i'm like this is great <laughs> so it wasn't just like i'm gonna put a bad filter on you and put you on exactly. instagram it's like i'm gonna cut you internet <laughs> bullying <laughs> what's that as you get shivved <laughs> Both leave scars, um, just in different ways, I th- suppose. This is the same time, and, and Kinderhook is not necessarily close to where I grew up, but this is the same around the same time where I would go out walking in the woods, and there was one specific time that I thought was really interesting where I went out really far in, 
uh, to a spot that I didn't normally go. Uh, normally when I would walk out, it was kind of weird because it was like really forested, really kind of dense at the edge of where I lived. And then once you got back into the trees, past the trees, it kind of opened up actually. It kind of cleared out a little bit. And you could go like literally right or left. And then if you went ahead, the, the literal foot of the mountain almost started to rise up, like almost so steep you couldn't really do it. So you had to go either right or left. And I usually would go right. And I would kind of just follow it around and go that way. This time I'm like, I'm going left. And I went left and I went back. Maybe, you know, I mean, it's hard to remember now, but I walked for probably 15, 20 minutes, maybe more. And then got to a spot where I stopped and I noticed all the birds, everything was quiet. There was no sound. That's never a good sign. Everything just stopped. Because they say that's a sign that there's an apex predator nearby. Yeah. And I remember stopping and thinking, and it's like I could just hear my own heartbeat in my ears. You know, just everything is so it's so quiet. It's loud. You know what I mean? And I was like, I should go back. And I turned around <laughs> and I just walked right back to that. It was just the most to this day one of the most eerie feelings I've ever had. Um, and to invoke your so strange episode that I was uh, doing the guest stuff on, um, that's around the same within a year or two of that was when that little gobliny thing showed up in my house. <laughs> Good thing you left upstate New York when you did. It's a weird, <laughs> cool area, man. But uh, one of the things, too, on this that I just saw on the Kinderhook blob, um, in one of the encounters, they noticed the white blob rise up and float above the treetops. Wow. So it's not a person in a sheet? No. No. Uh, and here. you'd be silly if it was a person trying to act like a you know person under a sheet or whatever, because you got guys out there armed. Yep. You know, with firearms, you don't want to end up on the wrong side of that practical joke, right? Oh, it's crazy. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, here's the, the other story I wanted to tell you about it. Here we go. Uh, in 1978, this is the, other, this is the third sighting uh, of the four that I have here. Um, Barry Scott and Russell Lee, who were both 14 at the time, uh, according to them, the first sign something was out of the ordinary was the tramping outside of their tent. So, so they were camping out in the woods. Uh, they peeked outside the tent and saw an entity that looked like a white blob that was tramping, making a stomping sound, and floating at the same time. Uh, it looked more like a ghost than a typical blob, and they both agreed that it floated more than it walked. Uh, Barry described it as bell-shaped, and Russell described it as the Virgin Mary. So, so I'm assuming Russell wow. might be Catholic. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the most recent was, uh, yeah, Owen Farley and Anthony Malinowski, uh, where they uh, heard the temperature, felt the temperature drop and heard that, that high-pitched scream. They uh, estimate between 7 and 10 feet tall. Wow. Floated towards them at a high speed. That's not something you typically hear about in ghost lore, that they're exceptionally tall not tall certainly not tramping around not making audible like loud noise yeah uh and according to them the tramping like that you could feel it in the ground almost like an actual physical like like movement so uh super interesting um i am fascinated now the more that i go get into some of these obscure monsters these local ones um so yeah yeah the uh the kinderhook blob for your consideration. That's awesome. Now, if you're pulling uh, from local lore and legend of places that you've lived before, what's a little what's a little appetizer? You've you've also lived in Florida. You've lived in. I've lived in upstate New York. I've lived in Virginia. I've lived in Florida, and and Nebraska. So I mean, there's four places technically to pull from. Uh, three of them just in this casual looking, and I didn't want to go for the obvious. I was looking for ones that were more local, maybe a little bit more weird. Uh, as a Little uh, teaser, uh, there's one in Florida called Old Red Eyes, which is just scary just saying that out loud. There's also uh, what they call them. They call them the Sackbillies. Never heard of that the one either. Sackbillies. That also sounds creepy. Yeah. There's also a, uh, a haunted island um, in Florida, a small little island that was uh, originally a plantation that is claimed uh, to be haunted as well. And then in Virginia... Which a little spoiler, uh, you'll have a little hint of that in the next episode that we record. Uh, there are a lot of not 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 alone with Mothman and other West Virginia type things, but Virginia in and of itself has a lot of its own 
weirdness as Weird, well. Weirdness. Weirdness galore. Yeah. Hey, did you have any uh, Kinderhook Blob sightings? Let us know. Paranormal Dads. It's time for Pop Culture and the Paranormal. So, how are you guys as far as being readers? Do you read? I read less now than I liked to admit. I want to be a better reader. Uh, it seems like as I've gotten older, when I sit down to read, I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for one, am not a good reader. I, I've, I, it takes me forever to finish a book if I'm reading a book, unless it really sucks me in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I like about uh, some of those uh, Rus- Rusty Wilson uh, Bigfoot campfire story. Oh yeah, there they they've got little short uh, short stories, and you can just kind of knock those out pretty quick. I love short but, stories, uh, you know. But I'm but as far as like long, you know, even no <laughs> normal size books, I'm a, I'm a terrible reader. Sure. Until the, this past year, I got a Amazon. Um, audible account ah. and i've i've quote unquote read more books this year than i probably have in the past 20 years <laughs> with having that. them read to you yeah because they the they read game. them to me because you can do it while you're in the car and you know you're driving around and you're listening to your book and um yeah i don't really listen to them too much at work because i can't focus on i, yeah. I kind of need to focus on the story and and at work I've, I've got too much going on i can't really do that but uh what about you, Andy? Do you read? You know, I used to read more than I do right now. It seems like anymore when I carve out a little bit of time to do anything literary, I'm writing or working on, you know, publishing my next book as opposed to reading. In fact, earlier today I was putting the finishing touches on what will what will be my next book, which should be out this springtime, but yeah, I, that's kind of one of my if you want to call it a new year's resolution. I would like to read more even if it's just stories on Audible cuz yeah. you know, you'd have to think that's still good for your brain even if you're not you reading with so. your eyes, yeah. you know. You know, at least at some level it's probably benefiting your brain. Well, absolutely. By uh um you know, cuz you'll learn a lot when you're you're going through a book. But anyway, where that brings us is to I came across a publishing company called Hazy Dell Press. And this is actually a, a publishing company of, of uh, for children's books, and they are based out of Portland, Oregon, so Pacific Northwest, yeah, home, home home of Bigfoot. And um, what they do is they create thoughtful, hilarious, and stimulating children's books that appeal to adults as much as children, and uh, they all kind of have a supernatural flair to Ooh. to the majority of them. So um, they've got, a, I think, a couple different authors and uh, a, a whole um, line of uh, illustrators that, that work with them. And so they, they make children's books, uh, that things that include like Sasquatch, Chupacabra, Krampus, Mothman, uh, Nessie, you know, all these, all the, the big monsters are, are included in, in their books. Some of our favorites. So, yeah, it, it, I kind of wish these books were around when, when I was reading to my kids. They sound like a lot of fun. I, I actually have not read some of these books, um, but, uh, it sounds very cool. Um, they'll, they'll sell the books, uh, both in like sets. So you can get, you know, three or four different monsters in, in a set. Uh, those get a little pricey sometimes. They go anywhere from like thirty bucks up to you know eighty or ninety bucks like for um, the set. For the set, and the books themselves cost you know around sixteen, seventeen bucks a piece. But just listening to some of the titles, um, it, it's pretty cool. They've got, uh, for example, Alien Baby, Yeti Baby. These are the for the little ones, so like the zero to four age range. Uh, Yeti baby, uh, alien baby. There, there's one called um, My Little Legend, and that's about Bigfoots. Uh, there's one about robots. It's called I'm Programmed to Love You. <laughs> <laughs> there's a pirate one. Uh, I love you more than plunder. 
I'm, I'm programmed to love you as the title track of my album with starring the terrarium astronaut. So stay tuned for, for that, that track to drop. Uh, and, and just some of the artwork is, is really cool. Um, you know, so you see Bigfoot, like Bigfoot parents with, with their, their babies and Nessie parents with their babies. And, um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool, cool looking, uh, company. They, um, one of their biggest authors is, is a guy, uh, his name is, uh, last name Sullivan. Uh, where's his first name? You know, it's kind of interesting timing, though, because when, well, you know, pre-recording, uh, Pat mentioned this, and I was like, that's crazy, because I've recently co-authored a book with my daughter, Sky. It's titled Bigfoot's Big Birthday Party, and the illustrator that we've hired to do some of the, to do all the drawings inside the book, uh, she's almost done with that process. Nice. But then after that, I've never published a children's book before. Yeah. So once you know, once we have all the content ready, I'm not sure what to do with it. I'm, I might have to check into this company, Pat. Yeah, they've got contact information on their website. You know, you could you could probably contact them that way. But Kyle Sub- Sullivan is is one of their their main writers, and he's written uh, such uh, middle grade chapter books as Bigfoot versus Aliens, Krampus Confidential, The Cyclops Witch, Cyclops Witch. Wow. And oh, The Cyclops Witch and the Heebie Jeebies. Uh, there's one called Werewolf, Their Wolf. It almost sounds Dr. Seuss-esque. Yeah, I love it. Um, Get Dressed, Sasquatch. <laughs> this is one of my favorite titles uh, because I think I'm guessing part of this book was written in Spanish. It's Don't Eat Me, Chupacabra. No Me Comas, Chupacabra. Nice. So, uh, But Kyle Sullivan also works with his brother. His brother is an illustrator for the company, Derek Sullivan. Uh, and they've got uh, illustrators and writers from England involved in the company. Uh, there's uh, looks like an author from Alaska, uh, Canada. Um, so people come from from all over to uh, submit uh, their work to this uh, Hazy Dell Press. Um, so yeah, you can find them on Amazon. You you can you know probably most of the main booksellers carry these guys so this is like sweet pickles for weirdos <laughs> do you remember those book series you're probably too young for that am i the whippersnapper of They're our really young man do you remember sweet pickles in the 80s sweet pickles he's too I old for this was one. it a series remember that <laughs> and he's right in the sweet spot sweet not too- pickles was this like book series where you could order like a book at a time it was like a book club for kids and you could like join this book club and you can get one book. You could buy one Sweet Pickles book or you could get a whole bunch of Sweet Pickles book. And you got this little storage case that was shaped like a pickle bus. Uh. And you'd open the little cover and put all your Sweet Pickles books inside this little case right. and shut it like a treasure trove. Right. You know, and so it seems like this is like the same kind of like the little golden books. Yeah. But of weird, cool creatures. Yeah, especially like if you can buy them in, in the prepackaged, you know, they come in a little box. Yeah. That you can keep all you know five or six, six books from each series in the box, but uh, yeah, they run ages all the way up to eight to twelve. Um, so uh, there's uh, <laughs> there's one zombie or not to be. Ah, <laughs> zombie or not to be. That's funny. So uh, like, yeah, like, it looks like fun. And. And son, if you're not good for Christmas, Krampus will beat you with chains. <laughs> good night. <laughs> I love you, Daddy. <laughs> and leave it to Portland, right? Uh, the Keep city that city that prides itself on being weird. And uh, yeah, leave it to them to come out with a publishing company Hazy, like this. Hazy Dell Press. I'm gonna have Hazy to ring them up, dude. Yeah. yeah, we need somebody to publish the Bigfoot Publish book. it through them. Yeah, why Check not? It out. That's amazing. I wonder how they got the name Hazy Dell. There's got to be a story behind that. Let's see if it's in here. So they they do some of the illustrations. I wonder if they're kind of selective on who they work with, or I mean, do you have to go with their illustrators? Can you just present them with a the finished work? I guess yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I we'll mean, have to look into this. Sometimes those publishing groups have like these like little deals they make with authors and illustrators and all that stuff, just to kind of keep that look unified. You know? Right, right. You come in screaming over the top ropes with a whole different art style and yeah. Brand consistency, right? Yeah, you never know. Yeah. But hey, your first book could be this, and then you do another one. You know. Yeah, I don't see where they're they're explaining where the name comes from, but uh, 
They, their books often feature popular monsters and cryptids from the U.S. and world folklore, including Sasquatch, Chupacabra, Krampus, Mothman. By presenting popular creatures in non, a non-threatening way, we introduce the fun and wonder of folklore to children in contexts that are free of fear and worry. So, I like that. You could have the one where the Loch Ness monster finds religion. You could bless this Ness. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many ways that you could take this. <laughs> Just a little, little, little teaser. This is oh. all I'm going to say about oh, Bigfoot's oh, big birthday party. So. Sky in in our children's book, she uh, Bigfoot tries to throw himself a birthday party, and he he did all the bells and whistles, pulled out all the stops, but he forgot to invite all of his monster friends from around the world. So Sky travels the world, inviting all of his all of his favorite friends, oh, Loch Ness like monster, sure. you know, Mothman, etc. But uh, goes to round up the chupacabra, which is scary because you know it eats goats, and when when she arrives, uh, he's changed his ways, and in our book, the chupacabra is a vegetarian. Oh. <laughs> He's doing yoga with goats, and he only eats bean burritos because he's veggie. He's yeah, vegetarian. Nice. Now. That's amazing. Yeah. Well done. So. Veggie chupacabra. Hazy Dell. Hazy Dell. Hazy Dell Press. Check him out. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the main mystery. It was my turn for this one, guys. And I've been holding on to this one in my back pocket for a while, you know, just for a rainy day. And today I'm talking about the Albert Ostman Bigfoot story. Man. I'm talking 1924. Ooh. British Columbia, right up there in the Pacific Northwest, not right. too far yeah. off the beaten path from that publishing company. <clears throat> so the year is 1924, and uh, as the story goes, this guy named Albert Ostman was kidnapped... By a family of Bigfoots. Oh. They sent a ransom letter. It's got all these like weird letters. Send us more snacks. <laughs> We're going to keep Albert. Some cut up letters from newspapers and magazines. Exactly. Leave food. <laughs> food is spelled F-U-D. Like, this Bigfoot can't even spell. <laughs> Hold so, him for ransom for beef jerky. <laughs> exactly. But he didn't come forward with this story for many, many years. Uh, and... You know, I've, I heard about this a long time ago, and when you hear something this outlandish, you're like, come on, really? But it was eventually published, uh, the story was kind of made public many years later by somebody named John Green, uh, who came out with a book or a story having to do with Hancock House uh, Publishing, and he and Albert Osman didn't come forward with this after it happened, because who would believe him? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, in those days, you've said it before, Eddie, but you're in the 1920s. Your reputation is all you have. If you go talking about being kidnapped by Bigfoots, they're going to lock you up in a straitjacket. Yes. Or they'll just run you out of town. The running consensus, and even now, but less so now, but back then, was conformity, man. You can't be being different. Like, they show videos. Probably they show just a patent school, for God's sake. Those videos of, like, goofus. Can't tell time and shows up 40 minutes late to his friend's engagements. Gallant shows up 12 minutes early. <laughs> you know, like you cannot be an outlier back then. I mean, you will be shunned. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you even see these old videos, these black and white videos of back in the day crowds. Every single guy had was wearing a hat that looked the same. Oh, yeah. He was wearing a black tie that looked the same. I don't know how they ever found their husbands in a crowd of people. <laughs> Uniformity. Don't be different. They're right? all the same right. name. Carl. Yeah. They all turn their heads. <laughs> Well, Albert Osman had mostly worked his whole adult life in logging and construction work. And, uh, you know, up there near this area of British Columbia, they have a lot lot of lost gold mines. And uh, one was supposed to be at the head of the Toba Inlet. And uh, so he figured, hey, I'll go there, I'll find some work in my spare time. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll check out some of these lost gold mines. It'd be a little mixing business with pleasure. So he jumped on the Union steamship boat, ended up in a town called Lund. British Columbia. And when he got there, there was an old Native American gentleman uh, who told a story about a, a white man who did pretty well in the area, found a lot of gold, uh, kind of lived fast, died young, uh, spent all his, his gold earnings at the local saloon buying whiskey and, and talking to women. But one day he went out mining and this, this guy uh, never came back. Hmm. And it was theorized, according to this Native American guide, that, uh, as the legend goes, they, they think this guy was taken by a Sasquatch and never came back. 
So he starts talking to Albert Osman about this, and uh, Albert had never even heard of Bigfoot. He's like, what's what's Sasquatch? What is that? And Native guy goes on to explain, oh, they're big, hairy men. You know, they're eight foot tall. They have broad shoulders and big muscles. And Albert, he's just kind of a good old country boy down to earth. He says, ah, hogwash. I don't believe in mountain giants, as he put it. <laughs> so Famous last words. Famous last words. <laughs> Bigfoot cracks knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Got him right where I Bigfoot says, no. hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to believe me, boy. <laughs> so this Native American guide uh, takes Albert out to where he where he wants to set up camp. Uh, they, they have dinner together around uh, 4 o'clock. They make it to the inlet, uh, and they camp there. The next morning, the Native American guy takes off and leaves, uh, leaves Albert to do his thing. So, you know, he... Uh, Went to the local supply store, loaded up on supplies. I mean, this guy was stocked. He went to the Lund, uh, the storekeeper in Lund, who was really cooperative. He, he and Albert purchased ammo. Um, he purchased uh, six packets of macaroni. He he, pay, he got uh, pancake flour. He got uh, cheese, a slab of bacon, a bag full of beans, four pounds of prunes. Four pounds of prunes. That dude is. He's gonna clean himself out. I was going to say that sounds like a college student until you get to the prunes. Right. You just got to stay regular, Pat. That's the 20s. <laughs> got to stay regular. And he gave him a, a biscuit tin. You know, a big, you can't go into the woods without a biscuit tin. You need them biscuits, y'all. You can't be eating your prunes with no biscuits. <laughs> so he estimates that his pack weighed 80 pounds. Ooh. So well, he, he goes out. <laughs> 60 pounds of that was prunes. 60 pounds of prunes, man. How's your prune game, bro? <laughs> How many pounds you got? How many kilos of prunes? Right. Right. So he goes out kind of exploring, leaves most of his gear, goes out with his rifle, just kind of exploring, prospecting, checking out the area. And two days later, he finds an exceptionally good campsite. Kind of thinks of it as like a semi-permanent camp. Sets up shop, unpacks all of his stuff. And he, he said he's not really a heavy, or he is, um, he's a heavy sleeper, so not much disturbs him throughout the night. Made a nice bed of pines to lay on, which is as good as a water bed. He said he had it made. He wasn't planning on going anywhere. Man. So the next morning he wakes up. Ate a pound of prunes. <laughs> <laughs> he slept on the prunes for extra. <laughs> My prune pillow. <laughs> Turned it into prune juice. So the next morning he wakes up in his camp, and mind you, he's all alone. And all of his stuff was... Uh, Disturbed, disheveled, like someone had been, you know, uh, picked through it in the middle of the night. Strewn a boot, <laughs> strewn a boot, as they might say. So he was, he was eating his. He, he ate for breakfast, he ate roasted grouse on a stick. Wow. This is why. This is why we probably need women in our lives <laughs> at some point. Because before you know it, you're sleeping on a bed of sticks. Eating some grouse on a stick. That's a mountain man right there. <laughs> I wonder if he hunted the grouse the same morning. Wrung its neck with his bare hands. <laughs> Leave my human hands at home and use my bare hands. <laughs> I'm thinking nowadays they almost have like pancake on a stick or like, you know, it's almost like a corn dog, but yep, it's like a pancake. Why well, totally do chicken on a stick for breakfast? That'd be all right. Are, yeah. A little grouse. <laughs> about grouse. How about prune on a stick? <laughs> it's a prune on a stick. But he, he wakes up with his old camp all all disheveled, yeah. and he's like, "What? What the heck? Party found no, found no footprints." But he thought a porcupine maybe had visited him. He calls him Porky's porcupine. Why? Uh, I don't porcupine. know. <laughs> he has a weird vendetta against porcupine. <laughs> I know who done did this. This was a porcupine if I ever saw it. <laughs> yeah, so porcupine. oh, check this out. So he noticed that one half pound package uh, package of prunes was missing. <gasps> oh, he weighed them suckers too. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> Pancake flour is missing. His salt bag was untouched. Oh, uh, and, but uh, porcupines apparently they always look for salt. So he immediately ruled out. Okay, it's Couldn't not a porcupine. A porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he holds a prune. This prune bag's half a pound light. Only feels fifty nine and a half pounds. And he says he doesn't think it was a bear because bears always tear the place up and make a huge mess of things. And he so he kept close eye. And uh, these visits started to go on several nights in a row. So he. He eventually got a, a good idea. He he took off his shoes, but he, he basically left everything else nearby. Like, he kept his rifle next to him. He, he went to bed fully clothed, just in case whoever or whatever this was came ready into his go. camp. He's just going to throw his boots on and, you know, cock his rifle, so, and he'd be ready to confront him. Yeah. yeah. Every porcupine's going to die. <laughs> every, por every last one of these porkies is going to get it. <laughs> 
And he said, here's where the story gets strange, guys. Now, I, And I have to admit, when I heard this story years ago, I, it was like eye roll. You know, oh, yeah, guy kidnapped. And I'm a, bit, I'm a believer in Bigfoot, but you hear a story. You're kidnapped by a family of them, really? But right. when I read this 11, essentially like 11-page article, I got to the end and I was like, mm, there's a lot of details in here that uh, he doesn't really strike me as a creative enough guy to make up. I'll sure. put it that way. But here's where the story gets really strange. So uh, a couple nights later, he was awakened by something picking him up inside of his sleeping yeah. bag. Yeah, I, I think I, uh, I've i heard that before, that just pick up his bag and walk off with him. What? How convenient. <laughs> <laughs> they they picked him up, essentially, like a, like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. So yeah. there's a little Threw opening at the top of his sleeping bag. And they're just holding it like a grocery bag. Yeah. Like a grocery bag. Just walk off with him. And he's just in there like a sack of prunes. And you got a sack full of Albert. Getting <laughs> just stomping through <laughs> Lund, B.C. And he, he at first he said he was half awake, half asleep, almost like when you wake up in a motel and you're like, where the yeah. heck am yeah. I? Oh, yeah, that, right. yeah, that right. re- recalibration. He said at first he thought, well, it must be a snow slide or an avalanche, but then he was like, wait a minute, I I, I remember where I'm at, there's no snow. And then, then he said he almost thought that he was on horseback, but whoever was carrying him, he, he could feel that they were walking uh, bipedal on two feet. Um, he tried to reason what kind of animal it could be. You see him hitting against the back of the Bigfoot, just <laughs> boom, <laughs> head hitting his butt. <laughs> boink, boink, boink. <laughs> he tried to grab his sheath knife and cut his way out, but it, but his he was like basically if you could imagine he was sitting at the bottom yeah, of the sleeping like his sleeping bag. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, oh yeah, he's sitting on top of his knife. That's not good. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, the knife was under him. He couldn't get a hold of it. Uh, his, he had his rifle, and he had a good hold on he that. He had the rifle in the sleeping bag. <laughs> he, he no, had, he did, dude. He's <laughs> there. But he couldn't see where even where to aim it because he's in pitch, pitch dark. You'll pry this rifle out of my cold, <laughs> dead hand. <laughs> so he could feel at one point they were going up a steep hill because whatever was carrying him was breathing hard and sometimes would even give a slight cough. Bigfoot was wheezing. Bigfoot was wheezing. <laughs> Bigfoot's like, this guy's been eating a lot of prunes. He's heavy. Okay, I admit, it was me carrying him. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Pat. He's wheezy and coffee. But it finally Slightly dawned on him. asthmatic. He said, you know, by Jove, this might be one of these mountain giants. And, uh... <laughs> He can't was, be one of them. I don't believe in him. He was sitting on his feet, and eventually his feet and his legs start to go numb. He said it was really hot inside of there. Yeah. If it weren't for the small opening at the top of the sleeping bag, he thinks he would have suffocated. Eventually, when he was going downhill, he almost felt like he was being, you know, dragged because he could feel the, you know, the ground kind of bump in his butt. He started getting cramps in his legs. The pain was terrible. He estimated they were traveling for a good three hours. Can you guys imagine three hours of this? Three hours. Being crammed in like a sack of apples, being dragged across the forest. I can't imagine. With not but a rifle in my hand and a knife in my butt cheeks. No, thank you, sir. (laughs) So they eventually stopped, let him down. Travel right there. (laughs) Travel Bigfoot. Travel uncomfortably. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, So they set him down. He hears chatter, (laughs) some sort of talking in, in a language he didn't quite understand. Uh, they they sat him down. He rolled out of his sleeping bag, which I can only imagine. You know, <laughs> what carnation points his gun yeah. wherever. <laughs> Concerned, my sleeping bag smells like wet farts now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got out of his sleeping bag, but his legs were numb, and he he crawled out. He oh, couldn't stand up. It God. was dark. It was dark. It was like four o'clock in the morning. It was dark. You know, it was starting to get a little light, but it was so dark he couldn't he couldn't exactly see who his captors were. He could see an outline silhouette, and as it began to get lighter, uh, even though it was kind of cloudy and rainy, he could see. And uh, he, he wanted to run away. He got his boots on and uh, tried to stand up, but he was wobbly. He had a good hold of his rifle, and he says, quote, What do you fellas want with me? And then he heard some more chatter, and it was, it was getting much lighter <laughs> now, and he could see them crystal clear, and he could make out the forms of four people, too big, too little. They were covered in hair from from head to toes. They had no clothes on at all, and they looked like a family. So there was an older uh, dad, older mom. Then there was a little boy and uh, and a little girl. <laughs> Get this part: the the old lady, the mom Bigfoot. She seemed really upset when the when the dad kind of you know dropped the sack of owl and hoo hoo ha, look look what I brought. 
and apparently the mom was was mad. Like she was waving her arms all around, yelling at him. Like, what did you what did you bring home? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, what? I thought you wanted a human. He's, he's like, little Bigfoot wanted a pet, and you were on me this whole time. So I found him a pet. Get off my back. I'm doing my best. He's probably like, well, the kids were asking for one, and she was probably like, you know, we're gonna be the ones we're taking care of it. Take care of this thing. It's gonna poop all over the yard. I'm not gonna clean his litter box. Pack and relate. How many cats do you have at home? Like all of your children got cats, and then they all left, and now you got like eight cats. We we have three cats. Andy rounded up to the nearest. Eight. I've I've always. I mean, since our we've been married for the majority of our married life, we've always had two, and then my daughter adopted one uh, about a year ago, and so now we're up to three. There you go, man. Yeah, that's so, how it goes. Uh, the classic. Yeah, it's 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 always fun. Kids promising to take care of this thing. Any promise, golden promises of I'll take care of it, and then within a week or two. It's... I love them all. They all have their yeah. personalities. Oh, cats! But, cats. but uh, yeah, they uh, they don't do well with my asthma. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Pat I'm... collects cats like Albert collects prunes. Right? <laughs> He's like a forty pounds of cat in my house. So they. He finally realizes, well, he he doesn't know where he's at, but he realizes that, that they're in a small valley or a basin that's eight or ten acres large, and it's surrounded by high mountains, right? So on the southeast side, there was almost like a V-shaped opening that was about eight feet wide at the bottom, about 20 feet high at the highest point, and he figures that must have been the way that they came in, but he couldn't figure out for the life of him how to get out. And the old man, uh, Bigfoot, was kind of sitting near this opening. So if you could imagine, like, there's one way in, one way out. Oh, yeah. They're in a valley surrounded by mountains. It's almost like a perfect little cove. Yeah. Right? So he moved his belongings kind of up close against the west wall. He says uh, there was, like, two cypress trees there. And and he figured, well, this will do for shelter for now. And he he just wanted to figure out what they wanted with him. So he emptied out his pack sack to see what kind of uh, supplies that he had. And in terms of food, he had some canned meat and vegetables were intact. He had one can of coffee. That, that's the one weird thing. He's got all this stuff in his sleeping bag, bag when he goes to it bed. on his person. But if you remember, he, he moved a lot of this stuff in because of the porkies. Right. And, oh, yeah. and the critters. He, trying he, he didn't want him to get taken the in the porkies. middle of the night. I'm going to sleep with my prunes. <laughs> porkies stealing my prunes. Uh, so he had some stuff. Uh, he had a, a you know half stick of butter. He had some. His pr- oh. His prunes and macaroni were missing officially. Oh, oh we're dang of, it! We're out of prunes, God, guys. Darn it! <laughs> Defcon four. He's like, for one thing, sweet baby Jesus, why you take my prunes? <laughs> he had a full box of shells for his rifle, and uh, so he had some of the stuff. He didn't have some of the stuff. Uh, the boy and the girl were always watching him from behind a juniper bush, and uh, he decided there might be some water over there. He took his rifle. And a can, and he went looking for water. And, you know, this is not a brief encounter, guys. This goes on for days. He spends days with this family of Sasquatch. Is he feeling like, it sounds like he's free to roam. Like they're not like. At least to some extent. He says in this this account, other than being dragged against his will, he never once felt threatened by them. They never caused any harm whatsoever, aside from making his legs go numb. Um, but he, he, but he felt like he wasn't free to go because every time he looked like he was going to venture too far off, Papa Squatch would kind of not confront him, but would like block the the exit. Yeah. Yeah. And he says the first day, not much happened. He ate his food cold. Uh, he had a, a box of chewing tobacco or snuff as he puts it. It was, it was empty. So, um, or it was partially empty, but the, the little boy Bigfoot seemed curious so he kind of handed it over to him. The little little uh, son Bigfoot goes and shows his sister. They're kind of sniffing it, trying to figure out how to open it. They played with it. And then they trotted over to their dad, and they showed their dad the, the can of chewing tobacco. And, uh, you know, dad kind of smells it and looks at it. And this kind of, I mean, I don't know what it is about this story, but, like, the whole family had this weird fascination or, preoccu- you know, they're preoccupied with all his chewing tobacco. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which I guess, rightly so. Maybe they. I mean, they probably had never smelled anything. Yeah, like maybe, that. It has a maybe very it's... particular smell. I mean, I can't imagine they 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 have that smell in the wild. I don't know how much tobacco they have in the Pacific Northwest, so it's probably you know imported in from yeah. a tobacco yeah, plantation East someplace. Coast style. That, it doesn't grow out there, and yeah. so it's definitely something different to them that mm-hmm. might pique their interest. So day two, he's like, I've had enough of this. So he rolls up his sleeping bag, packs up all of his stuff, gets his gun loaded, 
And he's like, I'm going to leave here even if I have to shoot my way out. Well, Ooh. the... The old Papa Squatch gets up and holds his hands out as if he was going to push him back if he tried to leave. Again, not aggressive, but just kind of protective. Um, Albert points to the opening or the, or the exit rather, and kind of tr- and, and you know saying, "Hey, I want to leave." But the guy kind of just stood there and saying something that sounded like "soka soka," which I don't know what that means come, in their language. Come come, come again, <laughs> soka soka. <laughs> okay, good. S O K A. By the way, okay. that's how that's spelled. Um, so he backed up a good 60 feet, gave this guy a wide berth. Um, he, he thought his 30-30 gun, I don't know if that's a shotgun, but his, his 30-30, he, he said, might not have much effect on this uh, Papa Bigfoot anyway. And he said, uh, he was thinking, there's got to be a better way to kill it. Maybe I can go to my campsite and figure something else out. And he decided next time to give the uh, the young Bigfoot the chewing tobacco to leave some more in it. You know, almost with the hopes of maybe he'll give it to his dad and the dad will get sick. Um, but anyway, and he, he still couldn't figure out where exactly he was. So he's like, even if I can discombobulate or make this da- dad Bigfoot sick, like even if he makes a break for it, he doesn't know where to go exactly. Right. So the following day, he didn't see the old lady or the, the mama squatch until about 4 o'clock. She came home with her arms full of grass, twigs, and all kinds of spruce and nuts that grow in the ground. So they seem like vegetarians. He says he never once saw them eat meat. Oh, wow. Okay. And he, he almost got the impression that this wasn't their permanent home. Maybe they were just following a migratory pattern where the food was. Um, but he says that the young Bigfoot went up to the mountain uh, at least every day. And he, he could see that this guy kind of crawling around on the cliffs. And he said this, this kid would climb around better than a mountain goat. Super agile. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. He picked uh, some kind of grass with long roots in it. And the the son Bigfoot actually gave him some one day, and he tasted it, and they tasted really sweet. Hmm. And again, with the cans of chewing tobacco, uh, you know, he handed one to the boy. The boy again goes and shows the dad. They talk. Albert doesn't know what they're saying. And it's now been six days. Wow. Going on a week. <laughs> He's like, don't smoke this, son. It's bad for you. You get cancer. Don't do it. He's in the D.A.R.E. program for Bigfoots. <laughs> just, just, just say no, kid. Just say, sucker, sucker. <laughs> uh, but he, he feels at this point that he's almost making progress. Like he's earning a level of trust with them. And he, he just wanted to, to get the, the, the dad Bigfoot over close enough uh, because he was sure if he could give him enough chewing tobacco that he, that he would get sick. But he says the young kid was super friendly. Like the, it was an extrovert, basically. And he could have easily um, uh, befriended the, the son and daughter Bigfoot. He kind of described the daughter Bigfoot as... A little bit smaller, uh, prepubescent, kind of is how he described her, with kind of like swooshed up hair. Like you, you could tell she was a female, but she was noticeably smaller. The boy, uh, he estimated to be maybe 11 to 18 years old. That's kind of a, a big window. There, yeah, it's yeah. a big window. But he says he was a big boy, you know, about 300 pounds, about seven feet tall. So he wasn't Chaka. <laughs> Chaka woman. He wasn't little Chaka. Chaka like prunes. Chaka like. But he says the son had wide jaws, narrow forehead. Uh, they had hair on their heads that was about six inches long. The hair on the rest of their body was short and thick in places. And again, the women's hair um, on the forehead, kind of like an upward turn that almost looked like bangs of some kind. <laughs> and uh, he said, and this is really interesting, he says the... Uh, the daughter Bigfoot was like so docile and friendly and just so approachable. Like if the dad wasn't watching, he says he could have easily taken her back to civilization. Like she just wasn't scared, but he he couldn't in good conscience steal uh, his uh, kid. No, he couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, for multiple reasons, like he was almost forming forming some sort of a human like connection with them. They were clearly right. intelligent, but he's like, okay, even if I take, even if this daughter followed me back to the to the city like what's going to happen they're going to put her in a zoo they're going to study her he didn't yes. want that to happen but the point that he was trying to make was she she was so comfortable with his presence mm-hmm. she wasn't afraid at all right um it, this is kind of strange she says the mama bigfoot uh estimated anywhere from 40 to 70 years old again kind of wow. a big window wow. he says she was over 7 feet tall about 500 to 600 pounds but he, he <laughs> says now i'm going to preface this by saying this was the 1920s people were not politically correct back then they weren't awake no they weren't woke but he says she had wide hips and a goose-like walk she was not built for beauty or speed 
uh, and again, quote, some of those lovable brassiers and uplifts would have been a great improvement on her look and figure. <laughs> you know, that's what they described Eleanor Roosevelt, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, I guess her breasts were swinging low. Um, the old man must have been near eight feet tall, big barrel chest, big hump on his back, almost like the silverback, you know what I mean? Uh, powerful shoulders, big biceps. Upper arms were enormous and kind of tapered down to his elbows. His forearms were longer than common people have, but still well-proportioned. Apparently, the dad's uh, hands were wide. The palms were long, broad, almost like hollow, like made for scooping out water. Okay. And the fingers were short, and in proportion with the rest of his hand, his fingernails were like chisels, you know, good for digging up those roots. And the only place that Al said that they had no hair was basically on the insides of their hands and the soles of their feet and the upper part of the nose and eyelids. And he says he never did see their ears because they were covered with hair hanging over, the, over them. Oh, wow. Okay. And as far as the soles of their feet, I mean, pretty... <laughs> I just noticed I'm Andy's holding up... Bigfoot slipper. <laughs> I'm holding up my foot as a demonstration. I'm, I'm wearing Bigfoot slippers right now, literally. <laughs> yeah. But he says the bottoms of their feet were padded like a dog's foot. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... It pads. Yeah. Now, this is really interesting, guys. And again, this is so much detail. If he's making up this story, he I mean, he should be a, a, an author. He yeah. should be a fiction yeah. writer. There's he's got two, a lot of a good, sto- good storytelling in there. So he says they would, to sit down, they would, they would turn their knees out and, like, come straight down. And then to stand back up, they could do so without the help of their hands or arms. So if you okay. could, almost like when a baby sits or a toddler sits yeah. down, they don't even use their arms. They just kind of squat, yeah. kind of yeah. squat the down, baby squat. Yep. And uh, he says that one of the kids, uh, it, it was kind of interesting. Like when the parents were sleeping, the son would almost play a game where he would get down in the squatting position. And then he would kind of swing, like he would kind of swing his butt low to the ground, and he would see how far he could jump in one, in one fell swoop, in one motion. Ah. And he says, kid got up to like a twenty foot jump, oh, whoa. just from a wow. standing position. Jeez. So they're they're powerful. Uh, he says the boy and girl were always climbing and doing exercises while mom and dad slept. Uh, why <laughs> Albert didn't try to escape when they were sleeping, I don't know. Maybe the dad was blocking the exit. Just way. terrified of getting caught, probably. Like yeah. what would happen? So, uh, again, he never felt mistreated, never felt threatened. Uh, but one morning after, one morning after breakfast, um, both the old man and the boy came and just sat a few feet away from him. He got his coffee pot boiling, pulled out a box of chewing tobacco, and before he even had time to close the box, the dad finally reaches for, uh, grabs, a, grabs a pinchful, oh. swallowed it in one gulp. Oh, no. no. <laughs> he could immediately tell that the dad Bigfoot was getting sick. Uh, he grabbed the coffee can that was uh, uh, that was kind of lukewarm by now. Uh, the, the dad, that is. He grabbed the, the coffee and gulped that down, but that did no good. <laughs> that made he, it worse. He started squealing like a stock pig, <laughs> and uh, he was just kind of rolling on the ground in pain, his stomach ache. So Al grabs his rifle, says to himself, this is it. Like, it's now or never. He uh, kind of springs to his feet. Uh, the the dad Bigfoot suddenly wants water. He's he's running all over the place trying to find a watering hole. So Albert took that as his time to pack up his bags, grabbed a few of his cans, threw it in his pack. You weren't packed yet, Albert. <laughs> well, he had no prunes left to pack. <laughs> he's like me. He wasn't ready at all. Not at all. So the young Bigfoot runs over to his mom, informs her. She begins to holler and scream. Uh, he make a break for it towards that exit. And uh, the old lady was following right behind her. He takes his gun and he kind of fires a shot like over her head, uh, just almost like a warning shot. She apparently had never seen a gun because she looked terrified and retreated right away. Uh, He makes it down, kind of like he shimmies down from this area, runs like three miles in world record time, he said. Yeah, I, I can just see the mom chasing him with a broom or something. Hair and curlers. Yep. What'd you do to my hubby? You poison my man, I'll kill you. <laughs> so as he came over a ridge, he could tell that he would he was near Mount Baker and that he was going in the right direction. He rested there for two hours till it was three PM and then once again he started down the mountainside after he could catch his breath. Uh when when he got to the bottom he shot a big blue grouse. Again with the grouse, man. <laughs> he wanted some grouse for breakfast. Yeah. Grouse on a stick. Grouse is the word. Grouse on a stick. <laughs> So he made it down to the creek at the bottom of the canyon, felt it was safe, 
He made a fire between two big boulders, roasted the grouse, uh, ate it, but it kind of felt terrible. It didn't sit right with him. Yeah, grouse is kind of a delicacy, right? You, you, I guess. You either like, overcooked it or undercooked I've it. I've never uh, eaten a grouse before. Now I'm kind of curious. Sure, it's probably a little uh, little more greasy than a chicken. A little more grousey? A little, grousey. yeah. Like, like dark meat, probably. Yeah. It's like that lamb, you know, a little more a little more fatty. Like duck. <laughs> you ever had duck before? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm shaking his head. I've had a few opportunities in recent years. And it, yeah, I had a duck one. I'm like, hard no. I'm yeah. not, not doing it. So, I mean, he books it, guys. He's he's going for a good clip. After six hours of running and, and trying to find civilization, he hears a motor running. There was a logging crew. He convinced them that he was a lost prospector and uh, did not tell them that he was just kidnapped by Bigfoot. Uh, but anyway, the following day, uh, he came down to a camp on a salmon arm branch of the Sechlet Inlet, and that's where he got on the Union boat back to Vancouver. And uh, again, that was 1924. Didn't come forward with a story for many more years. But again, like I've said, guys, why? That's a lot of details. It is. It's a lot of details. It's a lot of details. And it's like, it's one of those things that, like, yes, I mean, if you're going to tell a tall tale, it's good to put details in to, like, really sell the story. But again, we're at a. This is especially, even now, honestly, it's like your reputation can really ruin you if you are seen as someone trying to lie to get attention. And so, and even more so back then, I think, frankly, it's like, you know, you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to be taken seriously anywhere if it found out that you were making stuff up just for, just for attention. So I just, I, I feel, and to sit on it that long, it just seems like a, like an odd, you know, call, you know? Yeah, Agreed. And on the Bigfoot end, I mean, we know, you know, they're smart, you know, and would be able to recognize a human as close to them, you know, and not willing to, like, you know, be mean to him or anything like that, but probably more of curious, like, what is this thing and what are we going to do with it kind of thing. You know, and the other thing you have to ask yourself, what were they intending on doing with him? That's the funny part. Clearly, they didn't want to hurt him. (laughs) Yeah. Was he a pet? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's almost like... (laughs) That's what he was, you know. It's kind of funny they, I don't know, didn't explore him more or study him more before they just picked up his sleeping bag and walked off with him for three hours. Well, and the fact they had him for that long and they didn't, like, you know, put their fingers in his teeth, you know, in his mouth or, like, you know, just figure him out, you know, yank his hair or whatever, but kind of just let him do his own thing, you know. I don't know. That's a very, it's a very unique story for sure. Yeah. And kind of one of a kind. I've never heard of another story I've never story heard of anyone like being this. kidnapped no. by Bigfoot. Not in a setting like that where it's like a very – that's believable, honestly, because it's not, it's not more sensationalized. You know, it's very like – almost in a weird way, shy of the initial thing about it being Bigfoot, it's actually pretty boring, the story, you know? It's, it's not sensational beyond no, – No, it's, it's – it I mean, Bigfoot. maybe believable is the wrong word to use, but if this was a made-up story, he could have easily fabricated more – Crazy things that happen. Exactly. They were right. going to eat me alive. They were going to, as part of the, you know, a ritual sacrifice for the Bigfoot God. They put know? an apple in my mouth and slow roasted me <laughs> over a fire. <laughs> you know? You know? And then I was saved by aliens. Aliens. <laughs> exactly. So it's funny. How long did he wait till he came, till he uh, shared that story? Uh, that, I, it's, it's, it's out there somewhere. I'm not sure. This, this story, and I, I, I think this is part of a book that I was actually reading, came out in 1978. But wow. I, now, he could have came forward a few years before that. So I'm not, I'm trying to say, I don't know how long he sat on it, but it was a, it was a good little while. Yeah. Um, this is a fairly well-known story. I've heard this story before. And, uh, when you you look at Bigfoot lore, this is definitely one of the, the the well-known stories. And shy of his story, not able to really prove much of anything really. Yeah. I want to say there's a story about a child being, like kidnapped or taken by a Bigfoot and living with a Bigfoot for a while, you know, a few days or something, and then being released. I've heard of this too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was missing, and then there was a described who took him, and it's like that sounds like a Bigfoot kid. I think there was this was a recent story, like within the last couple of years. Yeah, there's this kid went missing in the woods. I don't know the specifics, but uh, they found him a day or two later. Thank yeah. God they, they were fearing the worst. But when they asked how he survived, he said that the right. bear, the, the, the big bear helped me and saved me and kept me warm. And people are like, well, there's no 
bear out here and he was like yeah he big you know big tall bear was walking around and people are like well bears don't walk on two feet <laughs> well, and a bear is not going to keep you if there was a big bear is not going to keep you safe no. yeah so <laughs> probably not the believers are like okay this kid was saved by a bigfoot and he was like three so with his limited vocabulary i mean what, what do else you, would he call it yeah it's a yeah. bear <laughs> well that that's that's what i got for you guys for the main mystery all right, man. Well, keep your uh, keep your location services on your phone in case you get kidnapped you, by by the Bigfoot. You can share your pen. <laughs> you know, somebody listening to this is going to prank their buddy on the next camping trip. They're just going to start tracking his sleeping ah! bag through the woods that night, and throw some prunes at him. <laughs> throw some prunes. That's <laughs> the most important lesson: is always remember your prunes. Yep, keep your prunes safe. Yeah. <laughs> well, as always, if you have a story that you would like us to cover on the show, whether it's a specific topic we haven't gotten to yet or maybe even a personal encounter of your own you can uh, hit us up uh email us at paranormaldads at gmail.com we are on twitter facebook instagram uh we we're on youtube youtube we're on the youtube spotify the whatever you get your podcast you can find us for sure um be, uh, feel free to request we've got a lot of things in the hopper you can order uh, t-shirts hoodies hats we've got stickers and even some new stuff to come for you to request an order. And someone told me we need to get a, a little store going on our website. Yeah, yeah. Heck, if the price is right, we can auction <laughs> off a hug from Eddie. Ooh, Eddie hug. <laughs> High fives are free, but hugs hugs might come hugs up. Cost you. Yeah, hugs will cost you. Hugs will cost you. dadscom Also check out So Strange with Andy Myers. Woo-hoo. Andy's uh, other alternate reality that he puts out uh, on a fairly regular basis, so check out that podcast. It's the strange cousin of Paranormal Dads. Right. And every single episode on So Strange, I give a shout-out to Paranormal Dads. So, uh, yeah, if you love this, you, you might love my show as well. Uh, just recently put a bow on Season 2, and I'll keep those episodes coming for you as well. But this is fun, guys. I mean, love it. sometimes on So Strange, it's just me trying to do a solo show. I like the camaraderie and the... The teamwork and the da- and the bad dad jokes that we do here, so, so it's really special. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Have and thank you for listening. Everybody, take care. Have a good one. <laughs> now you got to swish it in your mouth and, then, and spit it out. <laughs> and the static jumps in. Oh, did it? Is it the aluminium? Is it aluminium? Aluminium. Are we good? Adding letters. Okay, let's try. I'm going to talk about this loud. Yep, that's that's good. All right. I tend to get a little too too hot and spicy. It's exciting. Taco Bell fire sauce. I need to bring it down to a mild. Dude, I love your shirt. Thanks. I don't wear it anywhere in public because I don't want to get shot. <laughs> I, but I can wear it at home with my, with my yeah. Bigfoot slippers. Oh, we're all wearing nerdy stuff. That's because we're nerds. <laughs> See, Pat we're has geeks. a baby Yoda. <laughs> I got a baby Yoda, Yoda shirt. I have an alien, was... and Eddie has a astronaut in a jar. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who doesn't like a good terrarium astronaut? That's the name of my jazz fusion band. And you two both snag <laughs> amazing women. So, I, I mean. Exactly. Yeah. If you can't love us at our nerdy, you don't deserve us at our extra nerdy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you ready? Let's do it. Old one-take Myers. Boom! Boom. Suck it. Suck it, Bigfoot! (laughs) (laughs) Why did I say suck it? I don't know. (laughs) Bigfoot's like putting his hands up. What did I do to you? What did I do, man? What did I do to you, man?